Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. The other half of the Locked On Texans duo, I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. I don't know where to start outside of wow, listeners, on this, you know, glorious Friday heading into the weekend, uh, Cody. You know, as I do this show with you, I didn't know where to start while watching this game outside of wow in various different reasons. But, you know, the first question to come to mind to kind of set up what we're going to talk about a little bit later was Romeo Cannell the key to unlocking this offense the entire time. Deshaun Watson led the Texans to a Thanksgiving victory over the Motor City Detroit Lions 41-25, beating them on defense, beating them through the air and some trick plays. Watson, who... If it wasn't for the record and how the season started, it would be an undoubtedly uh, candidate for MVP right now. He threw for 318 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions with a 90.1 QBR and nearly a perfect passer rating. J.J. Watt built off his four-pass deflection game uh, from last week against the New England Patriots and ran a pick six back his first since first touchdown since 2014 will fullest performance uh hours after deandre hopkins thanksgiving tweet was poetic as he caught six catches for 171 yards and two touchdowns this is the texans first back-to-back wins on this season coming into this game houston's defense had five turnovers on the year they left thanksgiving game with three uh, got the quarterback, got after the quarterback four times, two coming from newcomer uh, Nate Hall, one from Justin Reed, who played phenomenal yesterday, building on his great game from the New England Patriots game last Sunday. And also, uh, Whitney Merciless also got in on that action as well. Good to see him who we're overpaying just have a, some type of contribution to the game. Uh, but, Cody, for me, the theme for yesterday was all hands on that contributions Texans got here from the defense which undoubtedly came to play on Thanksgiving makes me wonder what whatever Weaver said to this unit uh the last two weeks what what was he saying I mean I can only imagine if he went into that locker room and say y'all embarrassing me in front of company and I don't like that but also Terrell Adams with a franchise record for the most tackles in a single game with 17 Adams also is now the fourth player since 1994 with at least least 17 tackles and two forced fumbles in a single game. Everybody contributed. Mention what J.J. Watt did. Mention what Justin uh, Justin Reed did. Um, Now mentioning what Terrell Adams is doing in the absence of Bernardrick McKinney, which, you know, a very good conversation to have later on in the year is, should Houston move on from Bernardrick McKinney? Because Terrell Adams looks much better. Uh, But Texans also got help from their coaching staff. The best game I've seen Tim Kelly call all year. And as I mentioned, Weaver having his unit ready to play. But ultimately, the great Deshaun Watson, who in the last six games is 141 for 200. That is a 70.5 completion rate, 
He's been who we know him to be, the Michael Jordan on the field. Under Cornell Houston is four and three. Watson played great yesterday. Was a reminder of the travesty Bill O'Brien did, but yet another reminder that maybe this coaching and GM job might still be very high on uh, people's list because of number four, Deshaun Watson. And, um, you know, speaking of that, at least coaching opportunity, that's actually what I want to start talking about today, because Deshaun Watson made a statement on his post-game media availability that really caught my eye. He was asked, you know, what what has been the difference over these last seven games? And Deshaun Watson said, you know, playing under Romeo Cannell, he is letting us go out there and play ball. He trusts us and he's letting the coaches, as in Tim Kelly and Anthony Weaver, go out there, make calls, and he does not interfere with any of that. That lets me know two things. (laughs) One, that Bill O'Brien was still interfering with things that a guy like Tim Kelly, a guy like Anthony Weaver, he was interfering with their calls. And two, And my biggest thing of all, he did not fully trust his players. He did not fully trust his quarterback. And I'm pretty sure by now, here we are. I'm pretty sure what I just said is not surprising news to anybody. But what I will say is this. We know how important it is for the Houston Texans to nail the next coach. And it goes without a doubt. Whatever they do, they have to get a general manager. But, John, let's say – if something happened and the Texans cannot get Eric Bieniemy, let's say something happens and they can't get Greg Roman, and I'm and I'm mentioning those two coaching candidates because those, when it comes to me and you, those are at the top of our coaching list right now. But when I take a look at Romeo Cannell and what he has been able able to do in these seven games. You take a look at what Tim Kelly has been able to do and Anthony Weaver, what he's been able to do. And John, boy, for the first time this whole entire season, you actually reiterated something in a positive light. This is the second week in a row you said that Tim Kelly and Anthony Weaver called a great game, which has me wondering if only the right coaching candidate does not come along because what I don't want them to do is just hire somebody just to say we have a head coach. Would it be in the Texans' best interest, depending on how the coaching search goes, for them to spend at least one more season with Romeo Cannell at the helm with Tim Kelly and Anthony Weaver? I mean, and, and I get it, but before, before everybody start going crazy, you look at what the Houston Texans are in these seven games. There are four and three. But, John, this team could have easily been 6-1. and one. You go back to that Tennessee Titans game, if they would have gotten a two-point conversion, that's a win. You go back to that game against the Cleveland Browns, hell, if the weather did not put them in a situation where they had to depend on their run game, I'm pretty sure the Houston Texans would have came away victorious in that game. The only game that I can say the Texans actually lost with Romeo Cannell is the game against the Green Bay Packers. And you look at what both sides of the ball has been saying. They finally fully, not only do they trust the offensive game, but they are comfortable. They are more dependable on Tim Kelly and Anthony Weaver putting their guys in a position to go out there and make plays. So would I like to see these guys back for another year? It's not the ideal 
but I would not be surprised. You take a look at a guy like Deshaun Watson, the, the beginning of the season, we thought that he was truly missing Hopkins. But <laughs> these last seven games, this guy has thrown for an average of 300 yards and has a touchdown to interception ratio 15 to 2. The last six games is 12 to 0. Not only has he unlocked this offense, not only has this coaching staff unlocked the, the defense, a, a great defensive performance that they played, not, not just last week against the Patriots, but of course against the Lions, but he has also unlocked the MVP potential in Deshaun Watson. And John, like I mentioned, Romeo Cannell, and, and I'm going to put these three together because I'm under the belief, it's almost like the Rockets. If you keep one, you have to keep the other. If you keep James Harden, you got to keep Russell Westbrook. If the Texans, by any chance, keep Romeo Cannell, I think they should also look at keep, keeping Tim Kelly, and they should also look at keeping Anthony Weaver. That's if they can't get the, the their top coaching candidates because I'm to the point now, if Cornell, Kelly, and Weaver are able to take this team that was in a funk those first four games and just completely change the attitude, forget the record that's four and three, which I believe could easily be six and one. I would love to see what they are able to do in a full regular season. Very interesting to discuss, right? We're looking at the success of this offense, but let me correct you on something. Nobody unlocked Deshaun Watson's MVP skill. It was, it was never a debate whether it needed to be unlocked. It was just a debate of getting it, getting that key out of Bill O'Brien's hands. I mean, that that's the, you know, the what I would take from that. But we look at the record, 4-3. Uh, there were some winnable games. As you mentioned, I think Tennessee was one of the most winnable because you were up late in that game. However, I think to dispute whether or not Cornell and Anthony Weaver and Tim Kelly, those trio should come back. I think the answer to that is, well, uh, what would a new GM do? Uh, if a new GM comes in and if a new GM has his own plan, because they're going to interview GMs, right? And when they interview those GMs, they're going to ask you, well, what can you do to make this franchise better? And any person that goes into an interview by this age in life, what should you do? You should research your company. You should be researching your potential employer. That GM is going to come in and say, well, based off your, your needs and based off where you stand and based off where you want to go and based off who you have at quarterback, I think these are the list of things that I can affect with. I, I can help change. I have this coaching staff that also helped me look at their resume and record, look at my resume and record, and then we're going to go from there. If we look at the resume and record of the two coordinators, I mean, we know where Romeo Cornell is, but I also understand he's been in the league over 30 years. He has his Super Bowls. But if we look at him as a, a head coach, not good. And so when we look at the record and, and, and how your unit has played for Tim Kelly and Anthony Weaver, well, your new GM is going to say, you guys have been very inconsistent, especially on one side of the ball where it hasn't been any consistency at all. It's just been all bad. You're gone. And that's just how it works in the NFL, NBA. You get a new GM, rarely will that GM 
have a plan that considers the the coaching staff that's already there. But one thing about it, we have to give Romeo Cornell that 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 credit of saying, you know what, I have guys here that were hired to do a job. I'm gonna let them do their job. And since then, like I mentioned, I wouldn't call it unlocking, but since then we've seen just Deshaun Watson take his potential and just do whatever he wants with it. Right? We we've seen that. Gave you the numbers. We also got to give Tim Kelly a lot of credit for getting create creative yesterday and putting his players in positions to win. So we're going to talk about the offense on the other side. Don't go anywhere. When we get back, Locked on Texans, your daily Texan talk and news update. And this football season will be a little bit different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through the game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans like you and I, like the entire world, especially after Thursday night football game, we're the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, right? We don't go out there on the field. We may not catch passes, but we are the passionate fans. And because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch the game. Pepsi, made for football watching. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, the Locked On Texans only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Cody Davis Johnson, sports guy Hickman. You know, we could talk about Deshaun Watson every day, all day, as much as you like. And at this point, I'm starting to run out of words of how to describe Deshaun Watson at this stage in his career. Super fragilistic calidocity. <laughs> you know, that's outcast reference, right? That's just, a, I don't know, that's a I, great I think word. they had a song like that. But, but anyway, Deshaun Watson has always been great. But I think now, when you look at the departure of DeAndre Hopkins, and this is one of the things that I did talk about way, way, way early on during the offseason, if Deshaun Watson could continue the phenomenal play or even surpass the play without Hopkins on this team, I think we're going to start seeing more of an appreciation for Watson, like we see with Patrick Mahomes, like we see with Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, all, all of those guys, they never had a Hopkins on their team. Of course, the closest one is possibly Patrick Mahomes with the amount of weapons that he have. But not only has Deshaun Watson sustained that level of success, he has surpassed it. And it is just phenomenal watching this guy play football. And John, I am just happy to say I get the opportunity to not only watch Deshaun Watson, but actually cover him talk to him and try to nitpick his mind to see how can he not only sustain this level of greatness, but to see, you know, like the word he say, how to become legendary. And one of the guys that I also want to talk about that I do hope starting start to get this recognition on that high level is Will Fuller. Yes. Will Fuller, man. <laughs> you know, Fuller is not the flashy guy. And to be honest with you, John, there has been time throughout this season that I can be so much into focusing on, let's say, Deshaun Watson, Brandon Cooks, seeing what David Johnson, Duke Johnson is doing in the backfield, um, even, you know, observing the offensive line to the point I forget about Fuller and I see Will Fuller make a catch. I'll be like, oh, there go Will Fuller. And next thing I know, I look up. He has six catches for 171 yards, and that's what he did on yesterday. Now, granted, he did have two touchdowns. One of them, he was wide open by far. But I think we are finally starting to see what a healthy Will Fuller can do. 
going back to the trade deadline, I'm not going to lie. I was one of the driving forces of saying that we need to trade Will Fuller for to get back draft picks. We need to trade Will Fuller to get another young, talented player who can be healthy and all this other good stuff. Not just this year. I was also saying it throughout the offseason as well. I am happy to say that Will Fuller has proved me wrong. And not only has he proved me wrong, but he has also proven why Romeo Cannell and this organization was determined to make sure that they keep Fuller at all costs, only if they get, in the words of Romeo Cannell, deluxe nuts back. You know, on offense, this is from, you know, my point of view, on offense, what we're seeing out there in terms of where this team has been, not only in the last two games, but every game since booting O'Brien out of the door, we're seeing a lot of control by number four, Deshaun Watson. We're seeing freedom, better play design. His ability to operate in the pocket has been phenomenal this year in regards to how he's moving around and not creating and reducing the number of sacks he creates on his own this year. But you mentioned Will Fuller and you mentioned Deshaun Watson, and you're absolutely right. The confidence between Fuller and now Brandon Cooks has been the story for me. Uh, Will has become the closer for Deshaun Watson. What do I mean? Check this out. I'm going to tell you how good Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson in that connection has been this year in regards to Fuller being the closer. First half stats for Will Fuller is 304 yards, 12.2 yards per catch, one touchdown, three plays of 20-plus yard or more, zero plays of 40-plus yards or more. Check out the second half stats. 575 yards with 20.5 yards per catch, seven touchdowns, 11 20-plus yard plays, four 40-plus yard plays. His best quarters are the fourth quarter where he has 297 yards and five touchdowns. Also, let's check this out. When I mean closing, when you need to make sure your, your star player, your X factor gets the ball if we're playing with a lead and we need to win this game, which has only been four games this year, right? But in those four games, when playing with the lead, in all of the games, when playing with the lead, Will Fuller has 402 yards and four touchdowns. That's all playing with the lead. Now, you add this with Brandon Cook's contributions, specifically his big first quarters where he has produced 231 yards in that quarter this year, which is his best, and how good he's been at home for Deshaun Watson in Houston. Watson has found the perfect tandem for his offense, and it's also glad to see the running backs getting utilized in the passing game like we did on Thanksgiving as well. Uh, Duke Johnson caught a beautiful pass from Deshaun Watson and was able to score a touchdown on that. But basically, like Deshaun put it in the press conference regarding Cornell, like you said earlier, uh, letting them play ball, letting the coaches make calls, and not interfering with that. Letting these players be great. Definitely a jab at O'Brien. <laughs> I mean, nowhere around it. But we're seeing that product that we were promised during the offseason, Cody. You remember the hype around this offense? Mm-hmm. In the first four games, we were like – you guys sold us a wolf ticket. This is a big wolf ticket. And we, we bought into it. We're seeing that now. But the problem was the person who was telling of this was just smoking mirrors, selling wolf tickets. Under Cornell, he's saying, you know what? You guys are in the NFL for a reason. Do your job. 
And let's let's go put some points on the board. Let's win some games. Four and three under Pernell. And um, before moving on, I do want to say this, John. I agree with you and the majority of our listeners who tell me the same. I'm pretty sure next week when we take on the Indianapolis Colts, I'm pretty sure David Johnson will be back. But I agree with you, man. Duke Johnson should continue to be the starting running back um, because he's, he's not giving us much production coming out of the backfield. And it's understandable. Our running game sucked. But boy, did he look good being another target for Deshaun Watson on yesterday. With an eight-seeded conference NFL playoff seemingly imminent due to COVID out, outbreaks throughout the league, the Houston Texans, which are four and six, are two games away from eight. Of course, playing on Thanksgiving, we kind of got ahead a head start on, on the other teams in the NFL. Uh, Sunday, we'll have a lot more games and a lot more to take from. But next week, we will discuss the possibility, if any, Houston has a chance to make the playoffs if the NFL goes to the eight seed. You know, on Thanksgiving, I think this was the best game defensively we've seen all year. And we said that last week uh, when when Just Reed had a phenomenal game last week against, against the New England Patriots. But uh, he also had a phenomenal game on, on Thanksgiving. J.J. White had a pick six. Terrell Adams, as I mentioned earlier, had 17 tackles. Uh, four of four players to do so since 1994. Nate Hall had two sacks. We saw a lot of different uh, schemes, blitz plays. Um, we saw Anthony Weaver being aggressive with his aggressive play calling yesterday. We saw a lot of good things on the defense that we have just not been accustomed to seeing all year, and it's happening back-to-back weeks. Um I loved how everybody's just being involved. I saw more gang tackling. I saw more, well, I saw a better pursuit towards the ball. Um, And you mentioned how the possibility of Anthony Weaver could be coming back next year, depending on how the GM moves. Can't say he will, can't say he won't. But what I will say is uh, everybody's having an audition to see where they'll be next year, whether it be Houston or somewhere else. Anthony Weaver in the last two games after calling BS uh, against the media, he's called two back-to-back very good defensive games. And when you take a look at the overall performance of this defense on yesterday, I truly do believe that they actually won this game based off of their defense. Look, I know Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, and those guys on offense put on a show, but the defensive players set the tone early. It started with that pick six with J.J. Watt. Then you had Two forced fumbles by Terrell Adams. That actually set the tone for this Houston Texans organization. That's something that they talked about in the press conference. And I think that this is a better defensive performance than what we saw last week against the New England Patriots. Now, granted, I know that's saying a lot, especially for a team who was playing against the Detroit Lions. But when you go back and look at the defensive schemes that Anthony Weaver was drawing up the first couple of weeks of the season, and you compare it to the last two weeks, you can actually see the difference. And, John, it basically goes back to everything that Justin Reed was talking about last week, that they finally trust the defensive schemes. And now I can kind of understand what Reed was talking about. I'm pretty sure as a player, it is kind of confusing when you have a defensive coordinator telling you to do X, Y, and Z, 
but you have a head coach, a higher authority coming in and telling you to do A, B, and C. And I'm pretty sure that's where a lot of confusion and frustration that, that, that we saw early on in the season, I'm pretty sure that was the problem. Now, you see Justin Reed say the team is believing in the, in the defensive schemes. You hear Deshaun Watson say he is letting his guys go out there and play, letting his coaching staff go out there and call plays and do not interfere. Both of those quotes, we know who that was a shot at. But at the end of the day, it goes back to everything what you and I were saying. All they needed was for a coaching staff to trust them, and they got it. But with all that being said, we're looking at a team that's four and seven, and we have watched them pick up a really good win against the New England Patriots. We have seen them beat up on the Detroit Lions. And it seems like we have a brush of fresh air on the season. John is talking about it, and he loves this topic, the NFL race for the AC. I cannot wait to see what are they going to do against the Indianapolis Colts. If they can find a way to pick up that victory, then all of this stuff that we have been talking about, the coaching staff, the Sean Watson for MVP, the great defensive performance, everything that we have been talking about over the past two weeks, we're going to see how much of it is true against a team in the coast. That's one of the hottest team right now in the league. Hopefully COVID does not ruin that game. That is a game that I'm going to be very excited to see, but John, if they can somehow pull off a victory next Sunday and get to five and seven, <laughs> we might be looking at a very interesting last month of the season for the Texans. Well, Hey, here's the thing. The Colts are in their division. Mm -hmm. And so that'll help them out tremendously. Right. And we look at the Colts right now, the Indianapolis Colts are seven and three. They have to take on the Titans on Sunday. Then they play the Texans next week. Uh, with the re remainder of their schedule going Raiders, Texans, Steelers, Jaguars. Uh, not saying that they're all winnable games, not saying that they will lose all of those games. I'm just saying it'll be very interesting to see how it all plays out. I really don't expect too much of a real push from Houston, but the, the opportunity, because I think it's going to happen. I think that eight seed is definitely going to happen because there's too many games getting canceled. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, Baltimore game for Thanksgiving, like, that was the Thanksgiving game everybody wanted to see in America. Didn't happen. That's one of those games where, as they mentioned, if important games get canceled, then we may have to push to an eighth seed. Uh, but it also looks like the Houston Texans are going to do good as long as I don't pick them to win the game. So I'm I'm going I'm going to definitely look at that little tidbit. But I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on all of the major podcasting platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are locked on Texans.
your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.